move on to Chitra Madhavanji, who is going to talk about uh, a very important aspect of environmental protection called uh, uh, water bodies, uh, water body management in uh, Indic culture. Uh, namaste to everybody. And uh, I would like to thank the organizers for including me in this uh, seminar. Uh, very privileged and proud to be here presenting this topic of uh, temperate tanks to all of you. Um, I'm not going to be restricting this presentation to temperate tanks alone. I'm going to be talking about other body, water bodies as well, especially um, irrigation tanks, because this has meant so much to the farmers of ancient and medieval India, and it should mean much more to them today but let's see what changes have uh, taken place. I would also add that I am mostly restricting myself to South India and a lot to Tamil Nadu because I belong here and this is where I have done some amount of work. But yes, I will be covering some parts of the North and other parts of India as well. So I'm starting now um, in going to a place, a small village, as you can read here, it's Mahendravadi. This village um, takes its name from a king of the 7th century, a very well-known king in Tamil Nadu, whose name was Mahendra Varman Pallava, and whose capital was Kanchipuram, which is not too far from Mahendravadi. Um, so this is uh, where I was. This is Mahendravadi. And um, oh, it's not OK. So this is a place that is um, under the care of the Archaeological Survey of India, which means it's important. There's a rock-cut cave temple here belonging to the 7th century. This is how the road curves in, and hardly anybody knows it's there, and hardly anybody goes there, other than a few people who are interested in history and in archaeology. So this is what was created in the 7th century. And, and there is an inscription here, I'll show it to you. And this place is called Mahendravadi after Mahendra Varman Pallava. This was a temple for Vishnu. It was called Mahendra Vishnu Griham. And once we go inside the cave temple, there is an uh, inscription over here. You can see it at the base. It talks of a Mahendra Tataka. Tataka is a lake or, or, a, or a huge irrigation lake. And uh, it talks of a Mahendra Tataka, which you do not see anywhere in the vicinity of this cave temple. So we have to go down this road and then you come across something. This is how it is today. This picture was taken sometime uh, about a year or a year and a half back. You can see something that's completely dry. Now, Mahendra Varman Pallava was an extremely great ruler. He was multifaceted. He was a poet. He was a dramatist. He was a painter, among very many other things. He also had this thing for his people. So this was one of the largest man-made lakes created. It's miles wide. I don't have the exact dimensions to give you, but it's huge. You can see it stretch as far as the eye can see. And this is about all the water that is there today. This was meant to irrigate a large area of fields. And unfortunately, because, and I will explain this at length a little later, because all the inlets, the channels bringing in water into this lake have been blocked. This is all you have today. 
and sometimes when it rains and the, the lake kind of fills up it cannot fill up uh, to the extent it was originally but then when there is some water this boat is used and this is a very telling picture because otherwise the little scooter at the back is used to go across this uh, lake that's that's all there is you can see one or two men fishing in the little water there is so that is to do with one of the largest irrigation tanks that was created in the 7th century um, almost almost gone dry today and that's the sad picture and you see children trekking across it then there is a little bit of water it looks uh, like this but then that's hardly ever the case i am now going i'm, I'm going to uh, switch from place to place because the uh, shortage this much time only we have and i have to show you a lot of things we are running across to a place called badami in bagalgot district of karnataka the ancient name of which was batapi it was the uh, capital of the kings of the chalukyan dynasty when the pallavas were ruling in the south in tamil nadu northern tamil nadu the chalukyas were ruling in karnataka and the cave temples of badami are very well known all of you must have been there and heard about it right in the middle over there you have a lovely little lake it's called the agastya lake pristine pure today because this entire area is under the archaeological survey of india right at the end you see a little temple that's there on the banks of the lake and that's the bhutanatha temple this is how it is this is another ancient water body but this is still very very pure very well kept and on the banks of it is this so this is the view you get from uh, atop the cliff when you're seeing it from a vantage view so this is one lake that is completely and totally clear so we come back to tamil nadu we are coming to this very famous town called mahabalipuram mahamalapuram it's a unesco world heritage site and again tucked away in one corner of mahabalipuram and many people don't uh, go there some do of course there is a 7th century cave temple called the trimurti cave in front of which is this little thing cut into the rock so perfectly carved there very many uh, centuries back so perfectly done but unfortunately unfortunately this is the way we keep ancient things in india we tarnish we vandalize uh, i think it's a lack of heritage consciousness and i wanted to share this with a group of heritage conscious people in this uh, session so this is this is how you climb up to see this little water body and uh, it was also meant to store some amount of water but the main reason i'm showing it to you is how we don't value our heritage in india unfortunately we are cutting across again in tamil nadu uh, to a place called tiruchirappalli called trichy for short and here you have an ancient vishnu temple it's called the pundari kaksha perumal temple very much in active worship and over here this is one of the loveliest uh temple tanks ever created you can you can read this in the picture it's called the swastika well and it was made in the 8th in the 9th century during the reign of another pallava king called tantivarman pallava although although i don't have a drone shot i don't have an aerial view to show you and this is how it is today there's hardly any water you can basically see the swastika shape i know it's difficult to visualize when a photo is taken at this angle but this was created like a swastika you see one arm of the swastika over here very very 
nicely created, artistically created thing. So you see, even uh, water bodies which were basically meant for utility purposes were also created as things of beauty with carvings and all. Even if it was going to be covered with water, when the water level came down, you could see all these lovely carvings which belong to the Pallava times, 8th century. And this is under the care of the Tamil Nadu State Department of Archaeology today. The swastika well is very important and you have inscriptions over here giving you the exact date when it was made. It is called the Mar Pidigu Pirin Kanaril. Pirin Kanaril is a big well and uh, this, this, these are the inscriptions that you have over here and they are of great use to historians and to archaeologists. We quickly move to the Chola times and the Chola Empire which was which was once like this. It started off as a small kingdom. It grew to be like this in the time of Rajaraja Chola in the 11th century. It grew to be like this in the time of his son and successor, Rajendra Chola, again in the 11th century. I am taking you to a place in Tamil Nadu, which is called Gangai Konda Cholapuram. Uh, um, this, this was the capital of the Cholas from the 11th century onwards. And uh, this is a temple built in the time of Rajendra Chola. For 250 years, Ganga Kunda Cholapuram continued to be the capital of the Cholas. People who go here go to this temple. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Everybody knows about it and everybody goes here. What did most, most people who visit Ganga Kunda Cholapuram don't know about and therefore don't go to an irrigation tank that is very close to this temple. Today, it is called Poneri. And uh, in, the, in the earlier days, it was called Chola Ganga. That's a beautiful name. This place is Gangai Kunda Cholapuram. The name of the temple is Gangai Kunda Cholishwaram. The name of this tank was Chola Gangam. And all these three were created by Rajendra Chola, who is called Gangai Kunda Chola, because he, he sent his army all the way from Tamil Nadu uh, up to Bengal, conquered the Pala kings of Bengal, and brought the waters of the Ganga from there. The reason I'm showing it to you is, again, that this was one of the largest irrigation tanks ever, ever created, but only this much of water there is today over here. And when, the, when I went there for the first time and I was sitting in the car, I looked to my left and I saw a very large irrigation tank, no doubt. But in my mind, I had thought it would be much larger because I had read that Rajendra Chola had created something very, very big. I was disappointed because it was not that big. And then my car made a U-turn. We were going to go back the way we came. And then again, on the other side, I saw an equally large stretch. And that, to me, seemed if you put the two together, it would have definitely been, would, it would still be one of the largest. And unfortunately, what has happened is there is a road bifurcating the two halves. And therefore, it doesn't seem like it's very big at all. It's very sad, in my opinion, that the road is there because uh, people really don't understand how big it is. It should be. And that people have forgotten the old name Chola Gangam because uh, a poet of the 11th century uh, in the court of Rajendra Chola says that, you know, other kings would go and when they conquered lands, they would put a uh, Jayastamba, a pillar of victory. But Rajendra Chola created what is called a liquid pillar of victory, and that is the Chola Ganga. He brought the waters of the Ganga from the area he had conquered and created this tank and poured the waters here. And that's why it's called, it was called Chola Ganga. 
the name is gone the importance of this irrigation tank has gone today it's called punneri hardly anyone knows about it and that's that's very sad i'm again now going to a place called palampet in uh, uh, telangana uh, there is a very famous temple over here <clears throat> under the care of the archaeological survey of india called the ramappa temple close by is a very large large uh, irrigation tank this is the ramappa lake you can see how big it is as far as far as the i i can see so this is what our ancient emperors and army generals and people in power did and we keep going so we go to uh, tirupati now in andhra pradesh you have a temple tank over here which is small because the temple itself is quite small though rich in fame very famous the god there is uh, really powerful but then the simple tank uh, given the size of the temple is small but these days always come you know, because the temple authorities have ensured that it is like that we'll come to that we'll come to why some temple tanks are full and some are bone dry just a little little later so temple tanks are used for various purposes mainly religious as you can see this is a photo that i got from the net of the tempo utsavam or the float festival that happens in this temple and temples across the the southern states and these are very famous festivals temple tanks were also used in the past and to a certain extent even today for pilgrims to come and have a bath and then enter the temple premises most of all the temple tanks were not for a moment not for a moment am i and am i moving away from the religious sanctity or the religious purpose the intent for which the temple tanks were created but i also want to tell you that these temple tanks were also meant as water harvesting units we'll come back just a little later so here i am going to another temple that many people in tamil nadu know about but outside of tamil nadu perhaps not many this is a small town called mannarkudi this is about 30 kilometers approximately 30 kilometers from the well known temple town of kumbakonam this is rajagopalaswami who is the god there it's krishna and uh, the entire manarkodi area is got a beautiful name it's called gopala samudram a samudram we know means ocean but in this case it doesn't mean ocean in uh, in uh, at one point of time there were many villages that were called samudram also the temple has a small temple tank inside the premises but outside of it a little distance away you have the largest temple tank ever which covers approximately 30 acres so this is a huge this is not the temple that is inside the water this is like a small island and uh, this is where the god goes during the float festival so you can see that it is this this particular temple tank is almost always brimming with water and at one point of time and this is very interesting at one point of time somebody had dumped a whole bag full sack full of chola period copper coins inside this temple tank and when it was being dredged these were the treasures that were found uh, i'm now going to a place called tiruvaru again another small town in tamil nadu this place is very well known for its uh, chariots but then here look at this temple tank the one in manarguri is much bigger this is also very very big and in tamil we have a uh, we have a very well known saying as far as tiruvaru is concerned we say kovil padi kulam padi 
It means the temple is half and the tank is half. The tank is almost as big as the temple. And again, another uh, temple tank, which is almost always full of water. So now, why are some temple tanks full of water and some bone dry? The reason for the temple tanks, as well as the irrigation tanks, it's, it's similar, the reasons for it being dry or it being full. Now, all of these water bodies have, they still do, have what are called inlets. And these inlets bring in water during the monsoon months. So the water gushes in through overhead channels and underground channels as far as irrigation tanks are concerned, and through overhead channels mostly as far as temple tanks are concerned. They come in, they bring in water from catchment areas, which could be close by or which could be at a, at a distance and also from the area around the temple, from inside the temple as well, and they pour them into these uh, tanks. Now, what happens when there is copious water? What happens when there is a lot of monsoonal rainfall? What will happen is the water level will rise, and it may become a dangerous thing if it overflows the tanks. So at one point near the brim, there is a cutoff point, and you have outlets. So the outlet takes in the excess water from a particular temple tank. Where does this water go? Again, through overhead or underground uh, canals, channels, to another irrigation tank or to another tank that is close by. Now, when that gets full, then again, the cutoff point happens and it goes to another, another tank. So hardly, hardly any water in ancient and ancient times was allowed to go waste. Now, that was absolutely a fantastic thing because they knew the worth of water. Irrigation had to happen for agriculture to happen. Agriculture accounted for prosperity. We're still in the same thing, but we've let things go. We'll come to that again a little later. Going to um, one of the most famous uh, temples, this is Chidambaram, the home of the cosmic dancer Nakraja. Uh, this is the temple tank that is inside the temple. Again, I have never ever seen it dry on my many, many visits. What is more important is, uh, not too far from Chidambaram is a very, very large irrigation tank. Uh, this is now known, now known by the name Viranam Eri, and it still supplies water uh, to the parched city of uh, Chennai, erstwhile Madras. Now the Viranam, Viranam, um, is a corrupted form of the name Viranarayana. And Eri in Tamil Nadu means a large reservoir or a tank. So Virana, why call this, why call this tank Viranarayana? Is it the name of a god? Yes, certainly, name of Vishnu. But it is also, it was also one of the titles of a king, very famous Chola king, emperor in fact, called Parantaka Chola. Now Parantaka Chola, was expecting an invasion from the mighty armies of the Rashtrakutas who ruled over parts of Karnataka and Maharashtra as well. And uh, he was waiting for that, for that army to come. So he dispatched his eldest son, um, Raja Vidya, to guard this empire of his. Raja Vidya started out from uh, Tanjavur. He went northwards. He camped near Chidambaram, waiting for the army to arrive, the Rash enemy army. But for months on end, the army did not come, and his soldiers were getting very, very restless. So Raja Vitya decided to order his soldiers to dig an irrigation tank. And this is what you see. Look at that. Again, as far as the eye can see, 
there yonder is the other bank so this is when water is depleted you can imagine how it would be when it was completely and totally full so raja titya soldiers and this was in the 10th century got digging a very enormous irrigation tank that till today i repeat supplies water to the city of chennai what a good deed this young prince did subsequently very soon after all this was done he died in the fight against the chalukyas but his name will ever be re remembered in this regard and since he named it after his father his father's name as well so we corrupted a lovely name called veera narayana into veeranam and we made a huge irrigation tank uh, not as not as we have not maintaining maintained it as it should be i am now uh, coming to tamil nadu i am still in tamil nadu going to a place called kanchipuram very very important uh, place there are some temple tanks that are inside the compound of the temple there are some temple tanks that are outside of the compound of a temple and here i have to tell you something very interesting we are moving away now from water harvesting but also to tell you how temple tanks are alive even today so in the middle of any temple tank in south india if you see a mantapam which is with multi pillars we understand that during the float festival the god and goddess of the temple that is the processional images made of metal are rolled around and around the temple tank and they come to a halt in this mantapa where puja is offered to them and then late in the night they are taken back into the temple now in this particular varaja peramal temple in kanchipuram so vishnu temple where my arrow is pointing you have another small structure over here now underneath this structure is kept the original image of this temple called atti varadar who is made of wood and he is taken out once in 40 years <clears throat> and this happened in 2019 and after keeping him out for 48 days that idol that image goes back into this temple tank in a chamber which is marked above the level of the water by this uh, mantapa again this is one of the better kept tanks over here the date in which i took it was 2009 but till today it's the same lots and lots of water over here we now go to hampi uh, the capital of the mighty vijayanagara empire a great empire with great great rulers we go to the vitala temple um, which was there slightly before the time of krishnadevaraya in the 16th century but greatly expanded during the time of this great emperor and down the road from this temple you see the asi boat pushkarini and we go there and then we see this lovely water body this must have been the temple tank of the, this particular vitala temple so then hampi was so vast even in its completely ruined and dilapidated state after the battle of talikota and subsequently much neglect has happened but now it's a unesco world heritage site you see a whole lot of water bodies and let's go to some of them so this is the temple tank and you see something called a step tank this was there maybe 20 25 years ago if we had gone to hampi we could not have seen this because it was covered over and uh, archaeologists have unearthed this for us one of the most beautiful step tanks that we see in india today what you also see right at the top of this photograph and i will zoom in here is an aqueduct so these were aqueducts that brought water into the city of hampi and you can see this slide thing thing and this is how water came into this temple tank and at a time when the water level is very low 
uh, you, you can see the lovely structure of this tank, but when water level rises, and that's how a tank should be, that's the utilitarian purpose of it, you don't see the beauty of it. And this is the step tank in Humpy. This is how it looks. You can see the long, long aqueduct. They were all over in Humpy, but you see them only in some places today because of much ruin that has happened since the 16th century, the aqueduct. Here it is. So then you go to another temple, which is called the Royal, sorry, we go to another water body, which is called the Royal Bath in Rai today. All this is in Hampi. Um, we go to a place called the Queen's Bath. This is meant for royalty. Hampi can get very, very hot and dry in the summer months, though the river Tungabhadra flows close by, it's very rocky. Uh, very hot. So this is in the Hindu-Islamic uh, style of architecture. <clears throat> That's the Queen's Bath. I'm just going through this a little fast. And then you have something called an octagonal tank that is like this, again in Hampi. Imagine this being filled with water and people sitting all around in the evenings of the hot summer months. Uh, we now go to a step tank in a place called Abhaneri near Jodhpur. Look at how deep it is. Uh, Rajasthan and Gujarat are known for their stepped wells and their step tanks. This is how it is. In fact, the government of India has issued a series of a set of stamps of, of the great stepped wells in India. Look at this, architecturally beautiful, and the step tanks served a lot of uh, utilitarian purposes, and i just come to that. Just showing you how deep they have dug in ancient times and how, what, a, what design, we talk about design today. Look at this design. Yet another one in Rajasthan, showing you very many. Look at this one. Uh, so these step wells or step tanks served many purposes. Of course, it was for water harvesting. Can you imagine the amount of number of people who were given employment when these things were being built? The kings and the royal, other royalty chieftains sponsoring the whole thing. So many people would have would have been commissioned over here. The unskilled laborers, the skilled um, architects, the sculptors. All of these were beautifully embellished with sculptures. We'll see some of them. Now, well, in these dry areas, when travelers were passing from place to place, they could use these wells and the tanks, not only for drinking water, but also for bathing their pack animals. When travelers uh, went from place to place, they took with them their, their animals and they could, they could bathe them, they could drink, uh, they could give them a drink, drink of water. They could also spend, spend their time in the mantapas, the mantaps that are there in the step wells. We'll see how it is. The local people could also use the water for irrigation. I'm going to the Adalit step well, which is very close to Ahmedabad, uh, uh, Gujarat. So this is the beauty. So these are the mantapas that I'm pointing to. They keep going down, 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 level after level. Very, very cool. Built in the 15th century by a queen called Rudabai. This is this is how it is. Um, so when you just, when you go into this Adalit step well, you don't even realize for the first time when you go there what it is. So this is it starts at ground level and then you keep going down and down, keep going down. These are the sculptures that you will be seeing. They were completely things that were meant for use. Practical things were also embellished so beautifully. And then as you keep going down and down and down, I'm passing through these slides a bit fast, please. 
keep going down these mantapas. This is where, in the medieval times, people must have uh, slept. They must have used these places, washed their clothes, had a drink of water, had their bath, etc. Keep going down like this, and down and down and down. And you see things, very very beautiful carvings are over here. This is like a temple by itself. See that. Unfortunately, a little damaged, but nevertheless shows you the skill of the craftsperson. <clears throat> I just passed through the slides. I've got too many of them. So as you go down and you look up, you can see that it is like this. That's the skylight right at the top. Now, this little well is at the bottom. Hardly any water today. And you keep looking up and up and up, and you wonder how this thing was ever made. Look at how these architects and these sculptors must have worked for how many months they worked with not know. And then we can, this is the, this is how it is. You, this boy keeping from there directly looks at that well that was the supply of water. And then right from the bottom to the top, when you look like this, your head swims. So that, that is it. And at some point of time, there was water over here because you can see the mark of the moss. So I'm quickly leaving the Adalaj Bhav, and we are going to the Sun Temple in Modera, which is uh, pretty close to Gandhinagar, which is the capital of Gujarat. And here, again, it's a ruined Sun Temple. Most people know of the Sun Temple in Konar, but this is on the west, the Modera Sun Temple. And it has a very, very beautiful temple tank, which is also like a step well. <clears throat> quickly, we go to Rani Ki Bhav, one of, not one of, the best um, step tank ever. Uh, this is also close to Gandhinagar. So this is what you see. When, when you look at it from ground level, you don't even realize that you're, why this is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And then you start going down. Again, a step well, which must have served so many people for such a long time before silt from the nearby river Saraswati completely covered it up. And this whole thing was unearthed by the archeological survey of India. So you keep this again, it's uh, like Dada Lejwa, only this is 11th century. This is much before Dada Lejwan. And you keep going down, mantapa after mantapa, sculptures, galore, these many sculptures. You have the Dashavataras, the, the 10 incarnations of Vishnu, geometrical patterns, these patterns are used by the weavers of Patan to make their ikat weaves even today. They draw inspiration from the sculptures like these. So if you buy a patola sari and you see a design like this, know that the patent is there with the 11th century sculptures of um, Rani Kibab. So all this is there. And then we are going to the source. Look at the source. This is Vishnu. You all know that he is all obvious Jalashayana. And there's a lovely sculpture of Vishnu on Adisesha right at the edge of the well at the bottom. This is all you have today, unfortunately. And you look up from there, and all these sculptures are there. This is the Rani Ki Bhav. And you climb out again like this. Oh, oh, I cannot but repeat how much work must have gone into it. And look at the intent and the purpose to store water, to store water. Again, again, we know that parts of Gujarat and much of Rajasthan is arid. So whenever there is water, you harness it, you harvest it, and you keep it for the people to use, the parched people to use. So all this is part of Rani Kiva. I just passed through this a little fast. Very beautiful. It definitely deserves to be UNESCO World Heritage. 
coming, right? So we think that step wells and step tanks belong only to the north wrong. It's all over India, but some are in such a dilapidated state that we don't realize it. So now we are coming to South India, Tamil Nadu again, uh, in a little sleepy small village that is called Ayangar Kulam. You have a large temple tank, but look at the way it's gone to seed. This is about 20 kilometers from Kanchipuram, a, a, a town known for its temples and for its silk weaving. You can see where the bund of this is. Supposed to be originally more than 100 acres, but this is all the water that you have today. Here again, it's intertwined with Indian tradition. I'm not using the word mythology, I don't like it. It is said that when Hanuman was flying from the Himalayas to Danka, carrying the Sanjeevi Parvata in his hand, a little bit of it fell over here. So this is the temple tank of a small temple for Hanuman. It's exclusively for Hanuman. There he is called Sanjeevi Raya. And it is said that since a little piece of the Sanjeevi Parvata fell over here, there is absolutely no danger for the people of this village. And this tank is completely free of what snakes and other kinds of things that usually inhabit uh, tanks. So here, next to, very close to this uh, tank, this temple tank, again, unfortunately gone to see it, you have this structure. And most people don't even understand what it is. So it's like an arch. Let's look at this arch. This was made in the Vijayanagara times of around the 15th or 16th century. There is a lovely Gajalakshmi panel on top. So if you go down this, can you see? This is also a small step well, very, very small step well. It leads to rooms underneath, underneath of this. And this again was for water harvesting, no doubt. Also connected with a temple tradition. Bharataraja Paramal, whose temple tank I showed you in Kanchipuram, on the full moon night of the month of uh, Chitra, that is mid-April to mid-May, comes all the way from Kanchipuram, and all the water from this tank is taken out. It's made nice and clean and cool, and Bharataraja Paramal goes inside this temple tank for some time. All honors are uh, given to him over here, and then he comes out again and goes back to his uh, temple. So there is a religious purpose attached to it, it but also uh, a thing for water harvesting. This is how it is. Uh, I'm sorry, the Sun Temple is coming up again now. I'm sorry for the mix-up in the slides. Apologies. So this is the Sun Temple in Modera, Rajasthan. Quickly go through how beautiful this temple tank is. Sip tank. There is some water in it. It's under the care of the Archaeological Survey of India. This is how this uh, lovely little temple looks. Okay, let me so There are also times when there is absolutely no water in it. Uh, so here I come to another classic case <clears throat> in the city of Chennai, which is almost always water starved, what we are parched for water. This is the uh, one of the biggest temples in Chennai. It's got lots of water, this temple tank. But then there are times when there was absolutely no water. It was like a clean cricket field and children could play cricket over here. The temple authorities, in their wisdom, found out where the catchment area was. They declogged the underground channel, which led from a playground of a school to this temple tank. And after they declogged it, and apparently it was filled with plastic and all kinds of garbage over time because it was in disuse, 
the next monsoon the water gushed into this temple tank and it was soaked so every monsoon it fills up and there is water now today now we go to another uh, temple in chennai ancient ancient uh, temple and um, this is the parthasarathi swami temple it also has water today the point i'm trying to make is at one point of time um, without understanding what they were doing some people cemented the base of the tank this is not to be done and let's come to what why exactly temple tanks were dug as i told you it was for religious purposes definitely definitely also as water harvesting units suppose every village had say two temples or even just one temple and a large temple tank and in the monsoon months all the water collected a uh, water in the catchment areas flowed into the temple tank and it rose up to the brim until uh, where the cut off point was can you imagine all the water would definitely there would be some evaporation the evaporation was prevented by growing lotuses and lilies so that the wide leaves would cover the top of the temple tank and evaporation would be somewhat prevented moreover uh, there would be seepage there is soil underneath and the water would seep into that soil and the groundwater level of all the, the area around it would rise the water level in the wells of the houses around the temple would rise there would be no water scarcity extra water in in the times of rain heavy rainfall would flow into the temple tank and the streets around the temple would not be water logged there was it was all very scientifically done unfortunately at one point of time people not knowing what they were doing cemented the base of this temple tank and that led to the water stagnating you see water cannot stagnate and then very quickly it was removed as well so can you see this these are some of the inlets that you are seeing in this temple tank there are many other many all temple tanks have inlets but again we have just left them left, let them go to seed going through this is how this tank once looked old pictures and uh, these are all very many festivals connected with other water bodies this is when the gods are taken out to the sea etc to show you how a temple tank should not be like this i am not naming the temple but this is how exact it should not be and uh, because we are a country because i repeat we are a country that uh, does not take pride in its heritage people from houses all around abutting the temple tank throw garbage and the garbage lands over here and and then the water goes bad so these are some uh, examples of temple tanks where there is a whole lot of garbage especially plastic which is the worst thing possible um here is a temple tank that is gone right there's some that's full i'm taking you to outskirts of chennai because there are not many buildings and the channels the inlets are not clogged this is the amount of water you have and these are the lilies so this is what i was talking about when the lotus leaves or the lily leaves are spread across the tank like this the the surface evaporation is much less Okay, so it can look glorious. Again, outskirts, outskirts of towns, you have lots of lots of water. Uh, I'm I'm taking you to Karnataka, taking you to a place called Pelu, the famous Chennakeshava temple, which has a small small temple tank. Kerala, of course, is a land where there is a lot of monsoon, lot of rain, and their temple tanks are forever forever full. and maintenance is also superb this is from and uh, and we uh, though though this 
paper is such a fascinating paper and i see that all the audience are very much absorbed and completely into your paper uh i'm happy to gradually it, uh, come back uh, to the conclusion part of the paper uh, Can I take just a couple of minutes and finish it? Have uh, uh, sorry, sir. Can I can I just finish so, it? Uh, it's a fascinating paper, ma'am. Please, please go ahead. Please uh, take as much time as you want. But uh, I'm just looking for uh, the conclusion part of it. It is. Okay. Right, we'll come to that. We'll, we'll definitely come to that. Showing you some of the more better uh, temple tanks, maintained ones over here. This is the famous Meenakshi temple in Madurai, which has a tank right in the center. And uh, people uh, from a certain organization went there and they found out that it, uh, whenever it rains and uh, there is a lot of water that is collected inside the temple. There are underground channels from various points inside the temple that lead to the temple tank. And then the, no water is wasted. This tank gets filled up and then cutoff points lead from this to tanks outside of the temple, which get filled up also. But this is a place in Bangalore in a place called Koramangala where a heartening effort, a very heartening effort has been made to revive a tank that was almost completely gone. The dredging is happening and you can see water over here and they're going to make it into a beautiful, beautiful tank once again. This is happening in various other places across India. I know a certain consciousness has been uh, developed that we need to harness, harvest water and we need to keep our water bodies uh, intact. So I'm stopping with this, but the point that I'm trying to make is that in ancient India and in medieval India, we have had very many water bodies inside of temples, immediately outside of temples, religious bodies, these water bodies were also irrigation tanks. Our kings and chieftains and common people also knew of the importance of harnessing water during uh, the short spells of rain that we have in this country, keeping every drop of water intact and allowing it to go from one tank to the other at different, different levels. And all of them were saved, they were safeguarded, they were kept. We had village committees, we have inscriptions in Tamil Nadu, which talk about village committees called sabhas, which were divided into smaller committees. And one of those committees was called Airi Varium, which means Airi is tank, that they looked after tanks. Now, they, how, how, where would you get the money to look after temple tanks and irrigation tanks? So they allowed fishermen to come in, they were allowed to fish, and there was a certain tax on the fishermen, and that tax was used to maintain the temple tanks, clean them of moss, dredging, all these things. Sometimes the fishermen themselves were allowed to dredge some of these irrigation tanks. So on the whole, we had a fantastic system of water harvesting, and it's clearly seen in the number of inscriptions we have in India. Water was very, very precious, like we hold gold today. The farmers and the agriculturists, the chieftains, the kings, Hoarded water, they made all provisions possible. Unfortunately, sometime down the line, we let go of that. The inlets were blocked, the outlets were blocked, no water came in, and therefore there was no question of any water going out. We've let all the irrigation tanks go dry. 
temple tanks also have gone dry and when temple tanks go dry they are used as uh, garbage uh, bins people put garbage in them then uh, it becomes a public hazard and so then then they pour mud and sand into it and they close it and then it is cemented and some kind of a modern structure comes up above it and that is the end of a water body and this is what is happening in many places in india and the the the, the people are the ones who are suffering as a result of that so during monsoon times there's no place for the water to run off to and therefore flooding happens it wouldn't happen if we followed the ancient system set up by the engineers and the architects and the kings and the common people of the past so this is the point that i'm trying to make if we could only revive our water bodies there are still many of them left and if we could put them to proper use i think water scarcity in india would come down greatly thank you so much Hello. Yes, sir. I'm done. Oh, okay. So, uh, the this paper was so amazing, and I see in the chat and in the question and answers that there is so much of appreciation, admiration, and fascination for the paper. The students are enchanted with this, and uh, there are a few questions about some. I think these are uh, some details about. how much of this water uh, uh, is available from each tank and these are uh, quantitative details about the water bodies and all that uh, i don't know if uh, such data is available uh, if you have any such data please share uh, this is a question from soumya ayer how much how much water there is in the how much of water is available and how much uh, how many acres of land it irrigates and all such quantitative data is it documented is it available anywhere i am not sure there is any such documentation i'm afraid i don't know i don't think there would be uh, and uh, is there any other source where all this knowledge can be accessed if anyone would like to research Uh, the way you have done, he, 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 what what is your guidance to them? Is the there is there is there is a lot of need for research to be done in this. It is imperative. It is mandatory that it is done because our ancients have left behind fantastic water bodies for us. it's just that we are allowing them to deteriorate by the day so i would suggest that people living in any particular area in india should look up their their uh, the outskirts of their cities or towns or inside of their cities and towns and find out how many of these many have gone as i told you they've completely cemented it and high rise buildings have come up in the water bodies and in the water a water body spells doom <laughs> for that particular area that's all i can say so what i wish i wish there would be people especially youngsters uh, take looking at what is there around them that's that's very necessary 
So thank you very much, ma'am. Thank you uh, very, very much. Uh, 